Electricast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win, earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. Featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Evan Burke to the show today. NFL coach turned speaker, executive coach, and podcast host. Evan is, a, as I said, a speaker, former NFL coach, and podcast host who uses the sports world as his backdrop to engage audiences with thought-provoking lessons of leadership, team building, and creating championship cultures. He's not your typical football coach. Despite not playing football beyond high school and no network within the coaching profession, Evan's unlikely football journey began as a fourth-grade coach, where he quickly worked his way up to the NFL in just six years and included coaching teams such as the Miami Dolphins, UCLA, and SMU. After spending 15 years plus working with the highest performing athletes, coaches, and teams on the planet, Coach Burke uses his unique football coaching background to teach people how to utilize the same strategies in business and life that elite players and teams use to perform at a world-class level. He also hosts his own weekly sports leadership podcast called The Highest Level, where he reveals how championship team cultures are built and the keys to leadership excellence at the highest levels possible. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Evan to the show. Welcome to the show, Evan. Jason, thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited to chat with you today. I'm super excited because, as I said before we started our, our interview, is just one of the things that my show started to do is, is looking at the intersection, because I do spirituality and stuff, look at the intersection between spirituality, athletic performance, and focus. And it seems like you are somebody I'd love to have on the show for that purpose based on your background and experience. And I wanted to ask you just from your own personal individual role, 
What has coaching in the NFL done for you where your paradigm at this moment, working with your, your clients or people in general, what, what, what influence did it have to be able to coach in the NFL? Well, I think it was a great experience, obviously, professionally, just to, to be at the highest level, to see what it takes, uh, not only for myself to, to kind of access those levels as a coach, but also to see what goes in weekly to the team performance and, and the players' performance. And I think that was obviously really beneficial just throughout my career. And I think now one of the interesting things is, is that I've seen that regardless of whether we're talking about NFL teams, college teams, even high school teams, uh, on into the corporate world and the businesses and the leaders that I work with now, everybody's really dealing with the same challenges uh, and the same pressures as well. And so I think that obviously it's a little more magnified when you're in the NFL and everybody's talking about you. And if you mess up, you know, they're going to be talking about you for the next week. Uh, but those pressures are real, just like the pressures for anybody that has to perform at their job or at the high school level has. And, and so it really just kind of showed me that even though the levels may increase and, and the competition may become more fierce, that the same principles and strategies and methods used to succeed at one level can be used at any level and within any industry uh, to find success. I love what you just said because I completely agree with you. I believe that uh, what you're doing as a coach in, in the NFL and what you're doing now in your in your career has such influence and such importance in what our society needs to get back into right now, which is focusing on the right priorities in life and looking at the things and and being able to decipher our challenges and overcoming obstacles. And I, I'm looking at your background, like how did you go from coaching fourth grade? football to being in the NFL? Because that's that's got to be a story you're like, hey, I love to be able to tell it. And it's something I'm so proud of. I want to see if you can share with our audience. I would love to share. I'll, I'll try and give the condensed version. I don't want to go on to a 30-minute story right now. But uh, suffice it to say, I had a coach early in my career that told me that you are the sum of your experiences. And I think that's very true. And, and, I, and I found it to be true in my coaching career. And, and like you said, going from fourth grade football to the NFL in six years without having a network and, and having to um, meet new people and gain the trust of new people that you're working with uh, was obviously challenging, but it didn't happen overnight. Uh, it, it really happened one small win at a time, one day at a time. And, and so when I got in to uh, football. I knew that I wanted to be the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys, but I didn't know how to do that. And so I figured, well, if I'm going to be a coach, I might as well start coaching. Uh, and I was 19 years old at the time. I was a student at the University of Colorado. And so that led me to the Boulder Rec Center to, to coaching fourth grade football. Uh, uh, pretty humble beginnings, I have to be honest with you, because we were 0-6 that season. Uh, but we did have a killer pizza party, which is really like the most important thing about being a fourth grade football coach. Uh, but that experience led me to being a high school coach there in Boulder, Colorado. And then that experience led me to joining the SMU football staff. And I started as a volunteer ops intern, which basically meant I was passing out Chick-fil-A's as guys were getting on the bus. I was doing class checks. I was monitoring study hall, uh, all of the glamorous things that you would hope to do uh, when your dream is to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. 
but like I like I was saying, those experiences just started to build upon one another. And once a coach knows that he can rely on you to to make accurate photocopies, then they can ask you to maybe drop some plays. Uh, but that doesn't happen overnight, like I said. So um, that that was really kind of uh, the the way that my path went. And I was fortunate enough to be in positions where I was given opportunities. And then I was also in places where there were opportunities to advance. Uh, so I had four different roles in four years at SMU. Uh, and then at the end of my time at SMU, uh, going into that offseason, into the, I guess, the 2010 offseason, uh, I knew I wasn't going to be returning to SMU. And I kind of made it a point that I'm going to take the next three, four months and I'm going to give it a go to try and get a job in the NFL, even though I don't really know anybody. And that started pretty simply. Uh, I, I made a spreadsheet of all the coaches who I knew, who I had worked with, which wasn't very substantial, probably 20 or 30 coaches at the time. Uh, and I just listed out everywhere that they had coached from 1970 to 2009. And then I went and I made a spreadsheet of every team in the NFL and every employee that I could find online and, and did the exact same thing for them. So from 1970 to 2009, I listed out everywhere that they had worked and then any, I started to cross-reference the people I knew with uh, the people in the NFL. And anywhere that I saw similarity, I wrote a letter to that person. Uh, and, and just being self-aware enough, I think, in that moment, too, to know that I'm not a former player. I don't have a name that anybody's going to recognize. And I don't have a dad that's an NFL executive or a, a pro or college coach. I needed to do something a little different. So I took the approach of doing handwritten letters to make myself stand out uh, it, it, as I was reaching out to these people. And I would just simply say, hey, uh, Coach Smith, I know you know Coach Johnson, who I coached with at SMU. He says great things about you. I would love to meet you and, and get your advice on getting a job in the NFL. So 450 handwritten letters later, I think I ended up getting 10 or 12 responses uh, and was fortunate enough to get three interviews out of those 12 responses. And uh, one of those was with the Miami Dolphins. And um, so uh, a little bit under 30 minutes, but uh, I'll stop there. But that was kind of uh, the way that I was able to get to the NFL from starting in fourth grade football. You probably saw my reaction as you were telling that. And I, I'm in shock as well as immensely impressed by your innate ability to network and be putting the grit in the charisma, the manifestation to make that happen. I mean, to do 450 handwritten letters. And as you broke it down, you got 10 responses and then you went on three interviews and boom, you're in the Miami Dolphins and you're on the coaching staff, right? That's not just something easy that people can replicate. And I think, but what it shows is your tenacity. What it shows is your focus and your drive and your desire to make something happen when other people say you don't have a chance or they would like to say that, right? And so you're the quintessential example of somebody who say, I'm not going to take that as an answer. I'm going to see what I'm going to make my own path where others don't see that. And I think that that's says a lot about your manifestation abilities, a lot about the things you're teaching about and your story itself is, is very motivating. When you're going through that process, did you feel like you were being guided by something like bigger than yourself? Like, did you feel like you were on a drive to kind of be on a mission to make this happen? Because as you were telling me that, as you were telling our audience just now, how you were went from one point A to point B, it sounds like you were on a mission. Like you knew 
deep down inside that you'd eventually wind up doing something as phenomenal as the Miami Dolphins and everything you've done since? And I want to see if you could share that with our audience. That's a great question. And I think that if I put myself back in that time, and I can remember vividly, uh, and, and it was a situation where I still had an opportunity um, in terms of uh, the legality to return to SMU, but they had already brought somebody in to replace me that following season. Uh, and, and so I had kind of made a promise to myself, or I had had a moment of, you know, I wanted to go back to SMU. I was kind of down for about a 24 hour period. And I, and I can remember like having that moment where it was like, you know what, like I'm going to use this as fuel to my fire and I'm going to like, I'm going to figure out a way to go to the NFL. Now I didn't know it mid December, 2009, how I was going to do that. But I made that determination in that moment, like I'm going to do this. Uh, and I can even remember as much, um, you know, I, 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 SMU is in Dallas, Texas. It's five minutes from where I grew up. Uh, and I can remember going over to my parents' house that night and sitting at the breakfast table at nine, 10 o'clock at night with my parents and my sister and telling them, I'm not going back to SMU. I was told this, but guess what? I'm going to the NFL and I'm going to write all these letters and I'm going to do this. And my family, which has been awesome, they were incredibly supportive. They're like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds great. <laughs> go, go get it. Go get it. Um, but but I think over the next couple of months, I was very methodical about okay, I'm uh, I'm I'm different, and I have to highlight that. I can't just do what everybody else is doing. I'm never gonna stand out. Uh, and so I knew that I was gonna be at the Senior Bowl in person, which is a All Star game in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I knew that. I really had no chance to access these people unless it was through my network or at least referencing people through my network. And so to say that I knew what I was doing would not be accurate, but to say that I had had laid out a plan in my own mind of how I was going to do it, that was accurate. And I can remember feeling very strongly about that. Again, I knew I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, it's just that every job, it's really funny. I, I've always really been uh, passionate about writing handwritten letters, whether it's just a simple thank you or, or expressing myself to somebody. That's I've done that my whole life. And so I was thinking that that would be a good way for me to stand out because uh, nobody really writes a lot of handwritten letters anymore, let alone letters that typically are typed cover like letters. Uh, so I, I don't know where all of it came from. It was just kind of innate in my own personality and authentic to me. Uh, I knew that I wasn't trying to be anything I wasn't. Uh, I was being very genuine and wanting to talk to these people about advice to get a job in the NFL because that's what I wanted. And I really didn't know anybody. So uh, I, I didn't pick this out from anywhere or any single place. It was just that I knew that I had to do something different and I had like created a plan very much aligned with my personality. And like you said, I was I definitely had a strong desire to, to get to the NFL. And I'm going to be honest, that's what it took to write all those letters. Uh, it can be a little demoralizing when you're spending all this time crafting these letters, figuring out what to say. Uh, and not getting any response or getting like these these form letters back, like hey, thanks for your thanks for your letter. Uh, we'll <laughs> keep you in mind. Uh, that was difficult, but I think that 
seeing the passion and when I say seeing like seeing it within myself, like how that passion really fueled me through those random events and setbacks, much like sports, uh, it it really kind of taught me how important it is to be passionate about something, to love something and to really go after it with all of your effort. And listen, had I not gotten a job in the NFL, I could have at least at the end of the day said, you know what, I gave it my best go with what I had and what I knew at that moment. Uh, And I think a lot of sports is like that too. I feel very much about that in my life. We're not always going to have success, um, but I think it's more about the process-driven approach rather than the results-oriented thinking that tends to permeate our society right now. I have a follow-up question I want to ask you. Out of those 450 handwritten letters that you connected and tied all these associations with the different people you sent the letters to, did you ever talk to any of those people that didn't respond to you after you got your coaching job with the Miami Dolphins? Like, did you run into the other staff from the other teams at events for NFL related stuff? And they're like, we remember you. How impressive. Look where you are now. Like, was there any moments like that? Well, not where they expressed what you just said, um, but, but you are kind of continuing to build your network. Right. Um, I can remember. So the senior bowl is like, I think, uh, late January, early February. And so I was at the senior bowl. I had a list of 10 people I wanted to meet. And, uh, I ended up meeting eight of those people. And and I say it because like, this is a very much of a coaching fraternity. Uh, and, and I, I look young right now. Imagine me 15 years ago, (laughs) I looked really, really young 15 years ago. And so I I didn't know anybody, nobody was going to let me into their little, uh, conversation circle. So a lot of times I was approaching people and giving them my two minute elevator pitch, if that, and then leaving, uh, one of the people was working for the Houston Texans. I said, hey, I'm, I I work at SMU. Oh, I'm actually going to be in Houston next week. Can I swing by and meet you at the stadium? And he looked at me like, you're going to be in Houston next week? Oh, yeah, my cousin and me have this thing. I'm totally going to be there. I, of course, no plans to be in Houston. Um, and he, he gave me his card and he goes, okay, email me on Monday. And if I have any availability, I'll let you know. Uh, so he ended up emailing me at like 4.30 on Wednesday night and said, hey, I have 15 minutes for you at 10 a.m. tomorrow if, you, <laughs> if you're available. Uh, so, of course, I ran home, packed my bags, it drove, went to down. Houston, drove to Houston, it actually had my cousin. Uh, he, he did live there. So I, <laughs> I slept on his couch and then woke up in the morning and, you know, of course, in my suit, like showed up at the Houston Texans facility, met with this guy for 20 minutes. He was very nice. He said, we'll keep you in mind. Um, and then ended up following up with me a couple of months later after I'd already gotten my job with the Dolphins, uh, you know, kind of obviously wanting to hire me at, at that point. And wow. so that's just a small example of putting myself in a position to go meet that guy, right? Like, of course, yeah, it takes a lot of effort and money and, and time to go drive down five hours to Houston and, and then go meet this guy for, what, 15 minutes so he can tell me that they're not hiring for this volunteer scouting position that they're going to potentially hire in the next six months. Um, yeah, a lot of people would look at that and be like, well, there's not really a whole lot that you're getting out of it. But I wasn't looking at it in a transactional point of view. I was looking at it as an opportunity to build a relationship with this person. And yeah, we're not going to be best friends at the end of this 15 minutes, but at least I'm going to get 15 minutes to sit in front of him and 
show him who I am and what I'm all about. That's amazing. Like your story is so inspiring to me. And I, I talk to a lot of people. So I have to say you have an A-list story, in my opinion, like amazing story. Like I hope you were writing your book about that. Experience uh, I, I, I appreciate I appreciate you saying if that. you're not writing your book about that experience about how you got the coaching position with the Dolphins, I would say you need to do so like at some point in your future. But I, I, I just really admire it because it, it takes that kind of drive and that type of creativity to tie it all together and distinguish yourself and set yourself apart. I remember when I started as a lawyer 27 years ago, I went to the places I went to get interviewed by ahead of time. One of my one of my professors said, you want to leave a mark? Go dress up in your suit like you did. Go dress up in your suit if your interview is on Monday. Go show up just randomly on Friday and go shake hands with people. And I got my first legal job that way in the court here in Tampa. So I'm in Tampa, Florida. So I, I respect and admire exactly what you're saying. And I, I tell people, if you want to be noticed, you got to be noticed. You can't just sit on your couch and say, I want to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins or the whichever team you pick, you know, Dallas Cowboys. You got to actually make it happen. And you took a lot of steps to do that. And, uh, I mean, for that, I mean, our audience is going to really enjoy hearing this, in, in my opinion. I want to ask you this. What's it like for you once you got into the Dolphins and you're on the staff and you're, 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 you're kind of probably pinching yourself a little saying, wow, this is so amazing. Like, what was it like for you to transition the actual role of where you were coaching now and you were in the NFL? So the NFL part of it was incredible. It, it was an amazing experience. It really was uh, I tell people a lot of time if they ask to describe it, and I, and I usually respond with my one word description, which is intense. It's a, a fiercely intense environment. It's all business, right? Like we're here, we're here to win football games. Uh, there's obviously other pieces to that, but there, it's not a lot of joking around. It's not a lot of uh, you know sitting around talking about how cool it is. Obviously, once you enter that environment, it's all about performance and it's all about performing at the highest level. Uh, but personally, as I had kind of outlined to go from where I was six years prior to coaching an 0-6 fourth grade football team to now standing on the sidelines of an NFL practice next to the general manager and the director of player personnel was pretty surreal when you first get there. Uh, not going to lie. I, I think with anything over time, it becomes the place where you work. And I think that quickly for, for myself, really, like I always viewed, you know, fortunate here in Dallas where SMU is located. A lot of times you might have Cowboys uh, practicing on our field. You might have, you know, visiting basketball teams or Mavericks playing pickup in the rec center and stuff like that. Uh, and I just was never enamored with it from a fan's perspective. Cause I always took the point of view, uh, that if I was in that world, that I was going to approach it as these people were peers of mine or, or professional colleagues, never from a fan's perspective. So I always had that, um, although I will say Bill Parcells was a coaching idol of mine as I was growing up, and he was the vice president of the team. And so that was a very surreal moment for me to be walking into breakfast on my first day uh, and for it to be just a whole bunch of players that are there early in the morning to get treatment. And there's Bill Parcells, you know, one of my coaching idols 
sitting there uh, holding court with other coaches and just the opportunity to kind of like see how he worked and, and, and know him was really cool. And, and like, you can't replicate that, right? Obviously, like that's, there's just a certain amount of juice that is inherent in being in those environments. But it wasn't all easy for me. I started actually as a video intern and it was not my job of choice, but I was just looking to get my foot in the door any way I could. And very similar, when I was at SMU, I started, as I told you, passing out Chick-fil-A's and gradually built my experiences and, and my resume up to where I was then working with video. Then I was working on the field with coaches. And so I wanted to do the exact same thing at the Miami Dolphins that I had done at SMU. And I took that approach every single day that I was that I was here to dominate that was difficult because I was in the video department it was it was a very different world even though you're in an NFL facility the video department they don't care, they don't really care whether you win or lose right like they're there to make sure all the videos in there they're, they're there to make sure everything's labeled correctly and that's it um, and so that was difficult for me because I wanted to 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 coach I wanted to be involved with the coaches um, and it took time for me to build any trust with those coaches. But but fortunately, I was able to to kind of like get myself uh, working with two of the special teams coaches. And uh, as is life in the NFL, NFL sometimes stands for not for long. And unfortunately, one of those coaches got fired very shortly after the season started, uh, which caused his assistant to elevate into his coordinator role and which allowed me to elevate into that assistant role. So, you know, it wasn't easy at first in terms of my mentality and wanting to be involved on the coaching side. But again, I, I took the exact same mentality that it took to write all those letters and just figure out small little ways where I could add value uh, and and just get more and more responsibility as as I as I could get it, and so was very fortunate to kind of get to experience everything on the spectrum uh, during my time there. I want to ask you, in terms of the people you've worked with, what were the commonalities and the great leaders you studied with and worked with, like that you could share with our audience as some examples? Man, I could sit here. We could talk for the next four hours on this if you wanted to. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of things that I'm very passionate about in my own work now that I think a lot of leaders that have success leading teams at the highest level have. One is that they have an ability to eliminate their ego. And I think a lot of times that when you see leaders in particular get tripped up, I think a lot of times it goes back to ego. And it's a problem in the in the coaching profession, uh, particularly at the highest levels of football and, and probably sports like basketball and, and really any sport where you're given a lot of notoriety uh, just for having those positions. Uh, there's really not a lot of outside voices that you want to hear from because you're in the head chair. Like there's a reason I have this job. But the commonality you see in all the top coaches, and I'm thinking of coaches for any um, sports fans in the audience, I'm thinking of coaches like Bill Belichick, Steve Kerr, uh, Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson. I'm talking about these coaches that have sustained success and greatness over long periods of time. They have an ability to, to, to get sources of information and opinions from multiple places, from multiple people, and not let it 
influence how they view themselves or let it be an indictment on their leadership. And so I see that the, the coaches and leaders that are able to eliminate ego all have that in common. And I think this kind of goes hand in hand, but admitting their mistakes and, and being authentic. Um, and so like, that word. The, the admitting mistakes yeah. part is, is crucial because I think in particular, especially today, I think this is true across the board for any age demographic, but I think especially the young people, uh, we'll just talk about like young athletes here for a second. Like they don't want perfect leaders. They want human leaders. They want real leaders. And I think that's really important. And I think a lot of times people get in leadership positions and they think I have to have all the answers, but the reality is no leader is going to have all the answers. And there are certain people on your staff, whether you're in business or in sports, that are going to have certain uh, primary focuses in their jobs or just general knowledge of things that you may not have as a leader. You might, you might have ascended up the coaching ladder because you're great at calling offensive plays, uh, but that doesn't make you a genius on defensive strategy. Now, you probably have a lot of insight to that. But there's coaches on your staff that have spent their entire careers studying these things. And so I think like the ability to admit mistakes, admit when you're wrong and admit when you don't know things is huge. And this all feeds back into being authentic uh, and, and not trying to be somebody you're not. Uh, and, you know, obviously sometimes can be very tough, especially in these extremely competitive environments. You don't want to come across like you don't know what you're doing, but you also don't want to come across like you know everything. Because uh, the reality is if Bill Belichick doesn't know everything and he's still studying what the best teams are doing at this point in time when he's 70 years old and he's the greatest coach of all time, like you, second year coach at Cleveland or wherever, uh, you can still learn how to do your job better. So um, it, to, to prevent me from going off on a real tangent here, I'll stop there. But those are I some mean, things that I've noticed um, amongst I, the best leaders. You got me taking notes, by the way. When I take notes, that means I'm learning something new or I'm really, really interested in what you're having to say because it's, a, it's amazing to hear this insight because you do have a unique point of view and perspective based on where you've been and what you're doing and how you got there. I, uh, I really appreciate that answer. Very candid and very direct, yet giving our audience some, some important points, eliminating your ego, admitting your, your, your mistakes and being authentic. Or, I mean, being a real human leader, th those are big words. Those are, I mean, they carry a lot of meaning to them. And, and when you think about it, it, it shouldn't take rocket science to have a coach act that way when they're in the NFL or any sports team or organization. And I know you've you've been around for a while yourself in terms of understanding high performers. And I wanted to ask you, outside of athletic ability or talent, what else have you found helps determine a high performance? Yes. Yeah, so I, I you know, you were mentioning writing a book earlier, and I actually just published my first book last month. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. The the title is Finding Intangibles. And it's really all about the unseen traits that drive success for individual performers and championship teams. And so very much kind of uh, as your question just outlined, what are the things outside of talent that really dictate success? And I think what I started to see as I went through my career was that the best teams didn't have the most talent. 
they had the most character. And if you think about what sports is really about, and, and really life for that matter, it's all about random events and setbacks. You don't know what's going to happen. We spent all week preparing for them to run this certain defense or for them to play this certain coverage in this situation, but we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and adjusting to that and, and adapting to those things uh, is crucial to success. Uh, and so I wanted to really write a book to challenge people to think differently about how winning teams are built in these competitive environments and stop judging people solely on care uh, on talent and instead prioritize character in their judgment of people. So I think this, this translates across boundaries in terms of uh, talent acquisition, the hiring process, getting people into your organization that are going to buy in to the methods and the vision of the team uh, and, and add to the overall chemistry and cohesion of the team. Uh, I saw too often where people and coaches are uh, focusing on the unimportant. And, and I have a section of my book called Ignore the Unimportant. And basically, you don't need to focus on things like a person's hand size or their speed or, ooh, I would love it if he was 6'3", but, you know, he's 6 and 3'8". And uh, I don't know. Um, is he really going to be able to compete at this level? And I think that per that that is across all sports at all levels. And if you really look at the elite performers and the best teams, it's not because they're the most talented. We look at people like Tom Brady right now and we say, well, he's the best quarterback of all time. Yeah, he's the best, but best does not mean most talented. And if you ignore the fact that Tom Brady was a late round draft pick overlooked by every team in the NFL started as a backup, really started as the fourth string quarterback in new England. He wasn't even the backup. He wasn't even guaranteed a roster spot. And then the fact that he showed up every single day, displayed the leadership skills and the work ethic where those coaches made a really crucial decision. And it was a watershed moment, obviously in the, in the history of the NFL, but specifically to that team where they were going to say, we're going to take the highest paid player in the history of the NFL at that time, Drew Bledsoe, which I, I'm a, I'm a quarterback. I, I'm not a quarterback guru, but I am a huge quarterback fanatic. I've studied them my entire career. I've worked with some very great quarterbacks in my time. And Drew Bledsoe is among the most talented, most gifted quarterbacks that we've seen in the last 50 years. He's 6'6", six, six, he's 250 pounds, and he can throw the heck out of the football. Like, there is nothing on paper that says anybody in the history of the NFL should replace him. Albeit in 2001, when he's the highest paid player in the history of the NFL at the time, and the Patriots end up replacing him with this no-name backup who doesn't even really have great skills, but he has all these other things that nobody can see, which is this unquenchable thirst to be great, this amazing work ethic, these leadership abilities and capabilities that have the ability to enhance and elevate the performance of everybody around him. 
And obviously, yes, this is one example. I'm taking the most extreme example, but I think it shows that it's all about these other things. Yes, you have to have a baseline talent to be even on an NFL draft board or on an NFL team. Everybody's talented. But once you're once you're there, there's very little delineation between the sixth wide receiver on the depth chart and the top wide receiver on the depth chart. And a lot of times the difference or somebody's ability to elevate outside of their talent or somebody's uh, inability to realize their potential of their talent lays in these unseen traits. Um, And as you can tell, I get super passionate about this. I love this subject. And it was something that I just felt compelled to write my first book about. Well, I think it's a phenomenal topic. And the fact that I started laughing earlier while you were talking, I never thought I'd hear anyone say Tom Brady was at one point a no-name backup, but that's where he went and that's where he is. And look where you went to look where you are. And I mean, that that's just two examples right there in our in our short interview right now. Uh, How did you leave coaching? after accomplishing what you got to and doing what you did, like at what point did you decide, you know what? The NFL is cool. Not for long. I stayed a little longer than others, but I'm going to do something else now. Well, I think I I first have to acknowledge how fortunate I was in my experiences. Uh, You know, anybody that, that is afforded any opportunity, you obviously have to work hard to put yourself in those positions, but there's also a tremendous amount of luck that's involved as well. Uh, You know, I mentioned all those letters I wrote. Well, some people, it could have hit them at the right time and maybe I would have been uh, in Seattle, Uh, but it didn't hit them at the right time. And and I'm sure for the people that actually responded to me, it maybe did hit them at the right time or they were feeling good. I mean, there are all of these external factors that you have no control over uh, that, that happen to affect your success in some of these uh, industries, particularly in in super competitive environments. And so I was very fortunate that I got to coach at every level of basically amateur, uh, every level of college, and then also the professional ranks that when I had kind of my moment, as I describe it, and I kind of felt like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I didn't have this what if of looking back um, at the at that time, I had been coaching for 12 years, and I didn't have this uh, anything that I was looking back on. Like I didn't experience this, or I wonder if this. Uh, I was very fortunate in those experiences. But as I mentioned, I did have a moment where I just felt like there there has to be something more. And I, I loved being a part of those teams. I loved being around a whole group of high achievers. And I've met some of my closest friends through coaching who I still talk to to this day and who are still close, dear friends of mine. Um, and, and I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything, but I did have a moment where I kind of looked down the path for the next 30 years. And coaching is a very difficult business to be a part of. Um, you know, you're a salesperson in any in any area, let's just say you live in Wichita, Kansas. Um, if you get fired from a job, like more than likely you don't have to move. Like you can find another sales job in that city. Um, competitive college athletics and professional athletics is not like that. There's only one Miami Dolphins. There's only one professional football team in Miami. Uh, there's only you know a handful of colleges in each state or each city. Uh, and the likelihood that a job is going to be open, let alone that the competition for these jobs is incredibly intense 
just doesn't just doesn't happen like that very often. And so I think when I was looking at the next 30 years, I was like, oh, I'm going to be moving every two to three years for the next 30 years. Like this never ends. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I've always really had a passion for leadership development and teams and, and performance and, and helping develop people. And I just had this feeling that I could do more outside of the sport of football and still be be attached in some way to the things I love. Obviously, you know, we're sitting here talking a lot about my career. I use a lot of sports analogies and I use a lot of examples from my career in my coaching and in my speaking. Um, But in a way, I've always viewed things like this, even from uh, very young, that I've always been very intrigued by sports and leadership and the intersection of how it all combines and and dictates winning teams. So um, it, it just came to a point where I looked down the road. I, I figured that I really didn't want to do this path for the next 30, 40 years and everything that it would entail. Uh, and, I, and I made the decision to pivot uh, in the 2016, uh, right in the beginning of 2016. I'm impressed. I have to ask you about your podcast, the highest level podcast. Tell us about that. What prompted you to uh, start it and... How's it been for you doing it? You're high performance yourself. So I'd like to have you share with our audience. Like, Sure thing. I appreciate you bringing it up. My, my <laughs> podcast is the highest level podcast with Evan Burke. And as you mentioned before, it, it talks a lot about uh, building championship teams and what leadership excellence looks like at the highest levels. And I'm typically talking to people that are at the intersection of leadership and sports. So athletes, coaches, team executives, um, even broadcasters that that are around these high-performing individuals and teams. And I don't know if you had this experience, Jason, but like these were the conversations that I loved having in my coaching career. I love sitting down with coaches or athletes and picking their brains about, oh, you coached with this person. Like, is he really like this? What what did they do that helped build that culture? Uh, how did they keep everybody accountable? Uh, and I've always just I've always been drawn to to learning about those things. And uh, even as simple as I was talking to somebody a couple of months ago, and they were a former um, ball boy with the Duke basketball team. Wow. And so, of course, I had to spend like the first 15 minutes of our call asking like, hey, so what did Coach K do like when this <laughs> happened? Like, oh, you were at Team USA uh, practices in Vegas? What's Kobe like? And I just always think about things like that. I don't look at it in terms of, oh, what, was Kobe nice? What, like, did you get Kobe's autograph? Like, who cares? I want to know like how long Kobe stayed after practice uh, and whether LeBron felt compelled to like stay after because Kobe was at the other end, uh, dripping sweat from his, uh, you know, his sprints that he was doing on his own. So I've always been fascinated with that. I wanted to do a podcast. Uh, I thought about it for a long time after I left coaching, and uh, I think uh, about a year plus ago made the jump and and really enjoyable. Much like you know, really enjoying the conversation we're having yes. today, and, and just lear- enjoy learning from other people that have had experiences even outside of football. Uh, so that's kind of where the idea for the podcast came and I love where it. the focus is. I love your energy because I just feel like you you kind of match the way I look at things. Like my podcast during the pandemic, I, I started 
2018, but during the pandemic, it was my window on the world. Like I had a chance to really learn from some amazing people like yourself today, but other interviews as well. It's like having the best opportunity, not only to share with my audience, but for myself, I've grown from the people I talk to or interact with. And as I said, I took some notes today and I feel like you're going to be one of my stories in the future when I either deal with a psychic client who wants inspiration and they don't feel like they can do something or I can see that 450 letter example. I might have to quote you and say, just so you know, I know somebody who came on my show, dot, 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 450 letters, boom, 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 fourth grade football, zero and six up Miami Dolphins. Now you're where you're at. You know, like there's a lot there that I can pull from. And I think you inspire and that's why you're in the right place at the right time right now. You're doing the podcasting for a reason. You're pursuing the other stuff you're doing. I wanted to see if you could share with our audience. What is it that you do now so that they can get a hold of you for your services? I always like to make sure that I know we talked about your podcast, but for you personally, because I'd love to have you, you know, have your information in our show notes. But how can our, our audience get in, in touch with you? You can tell I'm getting tongue tied. I get excited. How can our audience get in touch with you and share a little about what you're up to right now? What's com- coming up ahead? Yeah, sure thing. So I, I help people and teams, uh, typically performance driven teams. Uh, elevate their performance. Um, obviously, my, my podcast is highest level, uh, my company is highest level, and uh, I just always look at things through the lens of performing not so much at the highest level uh, of what anybody else di- dictates, but but your own personal best each and every day. Um, and you know, I think a lot of that is reflected in the story I shared with you, uh, and that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients, and, and I work with uh, one-on-one people, um, whether it's entrepreneurs or team executives or sports coaches, uh, one-on-one coaching. I speak to a lot of teams uh, and and I build out development programs and deliver those programs, uh, typically around the themes of building resiliency and personal development. So uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, uh, I'm on any social media at Coach Evan Burke. And uh, my website is www.coachevanburke.com. And those are the two best places to find me. Excellent. Excellent. I, uh, I just, what a treat. I mean, stuff starts with a conversation and an interview, but what I, what I'd love to do is promote you in any way, any circles I know, because I feel like your, your branding, your value, your services, everything you're representing is tenacity, strength. You exude authenticity on every level. I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your your story. I do think you're going to write a book about the 450 letters, and that's going to be a book of yours in the future. Mark my words. At some point, either someone's going to approach you about it, they'll hear about it. it, it you might want to you might want to get that trademarked. 450 I, letters to the NFL or something, or come up with something <laughs> to protect yourself. Ooh, that, that's a, that's a good idea. I'm going to write that down in my write notes. that down now and get it done. And it's copyrighted by the show, but get the trademark for yourself. I'm telling you, I can see it. I could see it. it. Absolutely. It's definitely something I have to do. You know, writing this first book was a great experience for me. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I've been studying my whole career. I wanted to do something that I was, I knew I could just write very quickly. Uh, and for whatever reason, I just didn't infuse a ton of my own personal story in this. I wanted it to be about a lot of the examples that a lot of people were familiar with. But um, I appreciate your kind words and and Truth. really gives me uh, a lot of encouragement <laughs> yeah. uh, to, to kind of make that maybe a central theme for my next book. So I, I appreciate you having me on, Jason. This was a lot of fun I've, today. I've done a lot of interviews, as I said to you before we started. And going through this interview today is really, you've wrapped me up for my weekend. It's Friday right now where we are. I'm super excited. Like. I feel motivated just by 
how you present yourself. And I, I think you could really, you really are going to work to energize a lot of people in the future. You're going to work with large groups of people. And I wouldn't be surprised if you have a series of books, a series of products, a series of, of things. You, I just see the word series around you, things that you're going to do. Yeah. I, I, again, I appreciate that. And I'm building it one day at a time, the same great. way I, I did my coaching career. And, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I hope to one day have all those things. And I've got, trust me, I've got a ton of notes right here, right off screen on courses I want to do and other books and other, other speeches I want to give. Um, but as I've seen in my career, it's one day at a time, but your encouragement does mean a lot to me. So Excellent. thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank Evan for coming on the show today. What an amazing individual to share his story. I, I love what I do. And I think you know that already. And, and every day, and you can tell Evan loves what he does. You can't have that level of enthusiasm uh, shown so clearly. And the substance, and as I just said a few minutes ago, 450 handwritten letters. And then you go from that to 10 responses, the three interviews, and next thing you know, you're starting off. But you know what I like that I heard a lot about today? It's working your way up, having the patience, having the, the follow-through, but the innate ability. And I know the NFL is all about featuring and showcasing talent on the field. And to my opinion, Evan represents talent off the field, behind the scenes, teamwork, leadership, authenticity. These are all things that we need so much more in our, in our sports lives and in, in our individual lives and professional careers. And I, I highly encourage you to check out Evan's information. I, I just can't say much more about that, but you're going to hear about Evan's highest level stuff going forward long into the future. And I'm happy he was here to be featured on our show. Now stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the social psychic radio show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe rate and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electricast.com and join our community today. 
Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.